0: Good morning, take your Bible sir, to Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2. I appreciated that all those songs revolved around the idea of rest because that's where God's Word takes us, but I'm a little scared because as tired and busy as we are as Americans, I feel like if we sing about rest too much, you're all going to be like, nap time, awesome. So don't do that, keep your brain turned on. Uh, we all, all, I think most of us are actually also capable of napping like with our eyes open too, so... Hopefully we don't get any snoring this morning. Hopefully we don't get any uh, napping with our eyes open. But I do think we come to uh, a spot here in Genesis chapter 2 that is easy for us to just kind of coast through. But I would really encourage you not to. Because I think it's very possible that just as we feel, I think sometimes that the world has gone mad on some of the basic ideas of creation. Anybody feel that way? right? You're like, what in the world? (laughs) Boys, girls. Boys, girls. Marriage So what brings us together today. Boys, (laughs) girls. One spouse, one lifetime till death do us part, right? We're like, how could we miss that? God made it that way. You can't have babies other ways. That's not rocket science. I mean, you can, but you can't, right? It's pretty straightforward. Men and women are different. They complement each other. It's a beautiful thing, right? It's amazing. It's hard. Marriage is not easy, especially in a sinful world. When you get two sinners together, you get sin, and then it's challenging. But just like we can look at that and say, man, how are we missing that? I actually think that for us, I think most of us in this room today would would say, associate as being Christians, followers of Jesus. I actually think it's entirely possible that we've done the same thing with these first three verses of Genesis. That we have grown comfortable in ignoring them or shaping them to be what we want them to be. Instead of listening to the simple way God has put together the universe. And in fact, as we look at these verses and talk about the simple plan God has for our weeks, I can tell you that I'm very nervous. I actually feel a little bit like a crazy person saying this is how God has laid it out in the culture that we live in. And I even say that in this gathering today. So it's my prayer this morning that we would just let God say what he has to say. Listen, there are a thousand next-level questions. Danny and I were joking in our prayer time this morning that maybe we should follow this up with a Q&A. My goal this morning is not to answer all your questions. I can't. In fact, there are questions you have to wrestle with that I can't answer for you. But I do think the concept is crystal clear. And for some reason, 50 years ago, as Americans, we decided it didn't really apply to us anymore. And I'm not really sure why. Let's read Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus, the Bible tells us, the heavens and the earth were finished, job done, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Let's pray together and then we'll dive into this God, we often sing around here, speak, O Lord, as we come to you. And that is our prayer this morning, that we would quiet the noise, that we would quiet even our own traditions or upbringing or ways, and we would bow before your holy word. Jesus said it simply, sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God's good rhythm of rest. I wonder how many of you long for something like this. This is actually a a piece of artwork done by Zach Kincaid. Anybody recognize that last name? Zach is the nephew of the famous artist Thomas Kincaid. And he's done a series of artwork related to the Bible. I was really hoping he would have one on heaven that would capture my heart, but he didn't. This is his artwork on the Garden of Eden. And as imperfect as our projector is and all those things, I just, I find my heart drawn into it. Do you? And we think about the garden as God created it. And we think about how different it is from the world we live in. Right? Why is it different? It's different because in the garden, there were peaceful relationships the Bible tells us one day that will happen again. The, the lion will lay down with what? The lamb and not eat it. Awesome. Right? Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day who was talking about just the conflict that happens in the animal world all the way down to the smallest insects that we just live in a world of, uh, right? And don't we feel that in our relationships? How easily do our friendships and our marriages and our relationship with our kids get sideways? We just feel this friction that exists. And even when we're not actually fighting with someone, we annoy each other. Listen, everyone in this room is quirky, including me. Everyone in this room does things differently and we bother each other and we, we don't have the faintest idea what perfect, perfect, peaceful relationships feel like. We don't, we don't know what creation looks like in order. We don't know what it is not to work and, and deal with thorns and sweat and hurt and for things to be frustrating. But we look at this world and we, we imagine, don't we? We gaze on it and we go, man, I, I want to be part of that world. It's also a world that's in perfect righteousness and, and perfect order. Everything is just right. But there's one more piece of this world that we don't think of very often, and it's the one that Genesis 2 talks about. Another piece of this world is that this world existed in a purposeful rhythm. God prescribed how its week would look. Now, have you ever thought how incredible it is That thousands of years later, we still live in a seven-day week. Just the way God laid it out. And Genesis chapter 2 tells us that God ended the week in an unexpected way. But a way that is part of his good and wise and best plan. And here's what we have to do this morning. We have to table our own ideas of what is good and best. And we have to even tell our culture to be quiet about what is good and best. And we have to sit before God and say, God, how did you plan this? The pastor I worked with in Indiana always, always used to say, God's ways are best and right. They cannot be improved upon. And if we're honest, when we fly through Genesis 2, 1 through 3, and when we do it our own way, in a very real way, we're saying, I'm smarter than God. And he could have planned it better. So what happened in the verses that we read? First of all, creation work was done. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Can you imagine what all's wrapped up in those few words? All done. Remember when I was a kid, we used to have to clean our rooms on Saturday morning. And uh, I had failed to learn at that point that vacuums leave lines. Anybody familiar with this concept, vacuums leave lines? So I wanted to go out and play. So we would clean our room and dust it. We'd do it as fast as we could, right? And then the last step was vacuum. So I was like, zoop, zoop, zoop. Then I went out to play. Matt, what? Came in. My mom was like, did you vacuum the room? I said, I vacuumed the room. Did you vacuum the whole room? No. Go vacuum the whole room. I went upstairs. Zoop, zoop, zoop. I'm an idiot. My mom was like, did you do the whole thing? I think at least one Saturday, that like three times. God created the whole world and he finished the job. And think about what's wrapped up in just that one statement. I mean, human beings have spent thousands of years just exploring the expanse of what God in six days made, and he was done. I've made clay pots and pottery that didn't belong displayed anywhere, and they took me hours, and then you had to wait. Like, God finished it all. You know what else this little verse echoes to me? Not just the creation work completed. You know what echoes to me that word finished? the saving work completed that Jesus did. As he hung on the cross and he said what? It is finished. By the way, we live in a world, don't we, that's trying to finish it ourselves. And Jesus finished the work. Creation work was done. By the way, there's a little contrast here when we think about rest, because I think most of us When we struggle to rest and set aside time for God, we do so because our work feels like it's never what? Done. (laughs) There's always more work to do. But our sense of what's done and what's not done doesn't negate what happens next. Okay? So the creation work is done. Point two. Day of rest taken. Verse two. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day, don't miss this, from all his work that he had done. God takes a day of rest. Now, we know God didn't take a day of rest because he was tired. Isaiah 40 reminds us, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth, he does not faint or grow weary. And that chapter actually goes on to say, in fact, everything else in creation grows weary. The the young lion who's got, like the the king of the animal kingdom gets tired. Little kids get tired. Sometimes we think they they won't. (laughs) You're like, please get tired. Run around the house a few more times, like a hundred, get tired. God is the one who gives strength to the tired. That's good news for those of us who are weary. That God says, come to me, I'll fill you with my strength. But God himself never gets tired. So God didn't rest on accident. He didn't need a day off. He was actually setting a model for all of us. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, similarly, that Jesus was baptized He didn't need to be baptized. He didn't have anything to repent of or turn from. His understanding of God and his relationship with God was perfect from the start. Why was Jesus baptized? As a model, the Bible tells us, to fulfill all righteousness, to to live out as a human being, everything that it meant to follow God. He, He voluntarily did something. He modeled something for us. By the way, if you're in this room today and you've put your trust in Jesus and you're holding out on baptism, don't. It's part of following God, and Jesus modeled that for us, but God here models rest. How does he do it? Interestingly, he does it from all his work. I had a conversation recently with someone you would know who's a pastor in one of our family of churches, and I was talking to him about rest And he said, I have always struggled with that because I'm just a type A personality and I always want to go, go, go and get things done. And I said to him, that's nice. It doesn't exempt you from what God says you should do. That's just my personality. Hmm. Go to Exodus chapter 20. This idea of rest is reiterated two more times in the Old Testament, much more than that, but two times in The Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments choose to expand on the idea of rest even a little bit more. Exodus chapter 20. What does God say about rest? Verse 8. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day. By the way, the word Sabbath just means stop. Cease and desist. From what? Work. Work, work, housework. Classwork, homework, work, 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 stop. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We're going to talk about this in a minute, but how did it get holy? God made it holy. So we keep it holy because God made it holy. Six days you shall labor. This is very complicated, isn't it? Boy, girl. Six days, you shall labor and do what? All your work. How much of it? All of it. Listen to me. That requires intentional planning because I don't know about your list of work, but mine is not short. I know my wife's is not short. Every once in a while, she gets sick and I have to do her work and it's real bad. I'm bad at it. I I did something the other day. I I think I made the bed. I thought I did a really good job. Why does any man think he did a good job making the bed? Because he did it. He made the bed. This is like pass, fail, pass. I didn't realize my wife grades like A plus, A, A minus, B plus, B, B minus. And she said to me that night, hey, I just want to say, Thanks for making the bed your way. (laughs) You're welcome? (laughs) I don't know. The list of work that any of us carry is greater than the amount of time that we have. But God has given us six days to finish all our work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, as if God needs to restate himself again, on it, you shall not do any work. So we have all and any. You, let's expand it, or your son, or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant. Well, if we're not going to work, can the people work for us, just work so that we can have... He goes farther. Or your livestock, or the sojourner who is in your gates. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, he got all his work done, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the day of stop working and made it holy. Hear what God said? You say, well, that doesn't apply to us anymore. Can I ask you a real simple question? Does it make any sense that God would God would carve into stone 10 commandments. And nine of them would be universal and timeless. And one of them, we could all get our erasers out and just go, that one, not me anymore. It doesn't. And this idea of stopping work to rest of a holy day, to be in tune with God, to dwell in his presence, to have our souls restored and our sleep and our bodies helped and our families served. And this, this, this idea is not a Jewish idea. This is a creation idea. This is an all of the universe idea from all our work by everybody all day. Can I ask you a really simple test question? When is the last time you stopped all your work for a whole day? One day. I already see people like, right? Boy, girl, six plus one. That's the verse we just looked at. So I wonder, what does your weekly rhythm look like? Because I can tell you, two of these ideas are American. And one of them is God's. Five plus two is working for the weekend. Get my job done, make my money, get my two days of fun. I saw a t-shirt in J Crew the other day. Not kidding you. I have a picture of it. It's a blue t-shirt. And right up here in the emblems, it says Sunday Fun Day. And I think for some of us, it's not even five plus two. It's just we are so overloaded with work and fun and things we want to do and experiences we want to have. And people we want to get with, we're so overloaded with that stuff that we're just running on seven plus zero. zero. You're Like I have seven days of 24 hours, and then here's what we've done. And I need to go church, so I have this little meeting that's part of my calendar every Sunday, 9.30. Maybe just till 11 if I got a lot going on, I'm going to jump out. Or maybe till noon if I want to be extra committed to God, I'm going to give him that meeting time every Sunday. My Sabbath is 45 minutes to an hour with God. You say, oh, oh Pastor Matt, this has gotten way too personal now. hmm You can't see me, but I am literally shaking up here right now. I am that convinced that as Christians, we have tabled this idea and become such a part of culture that we observe five plus two or seven plus zero and and we've gotten to the place where we don't even think about it. About eight years ago, God convicted me deeply about this. I was working uh, a full-time job and Colleen and I were at a little church in Colorado and we were helping. They didn't have a really a second key family so we moved across the country and God cared for us through some big steps of faith and I got a job to provide for our family that I wasn't even sure I could get with my Bible degree and my master's in theology. And God just did some incredible things. But I realized about hmm, a year or two into that that I was running seven, 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 seven. I was really convicted. that I needed to carve out some time to rest. And so we carved out Friday night to Saturday night, ballpark. Not because we were Jews, but because that's a fit in our calendar. And sometimes it only ended up being a half day and sometimes it was a... And God started to work in my life. And, and guys, this is how God works in our lives. He works one degree at a time, one step at a time. And he was patient with me. And then as I was studying this text for this morning, God actually did a second thing in my heart. A next step. And I want us to go back to Genesis chapter two and I want to share that with you. Genesis chapter two. You say, this is uncomfortable I actually think it should be. It's uncomfortable for me, but it's not a bad uncomfortable. It's actually a really good uncomfortable. Look at Genesis chapter two, verse three. So God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, we observe this day on the first day of the week. It's not very complicated either. Why do we do that as Christians? Why do we we not observe a holy day of rest on Saturday? Why do we do it on Sunday? The resurrection. That's why it moved. Okay? Again, a thousand questions. We're not getting into any of them. I'll help you. But look at the two actions God takes. So God blessed the seventh day. He said, this is a really, really, really good thing. Now, we don't always feel that way. Like, I could get more done if I had some more time. But God said it was really good. Now, can I ask you a really simple question? Don't you want to be part of the things God blesses? Like, don't you want to go, yes, me too, if God blesses it? Ephesians chapter six talks about the command about children obeying their parents. And it says, this is the first commandment with a what? Promise. Where are my kids and teens? I want to talk to you. Look right up here. God said something incredible. He said this. If you honor and obey your parents, it will be well with you and you'll live long on the earth. You See, that's kind of a carrot in a stick. You bet. You say, I'm not sure I want to do that. You're a fool. You say, Pastor Matt, did you always perfectly honor and obey your parents? We can talk about that after. No. But God said it was good and he would reward it. And you know what God says about a day of rest? It's good and it's blessed. And can I make you a promise on the authority of God's word? If you carve out a day, a holy, sacred, good day to rest and worship God and get away from all the work, it will bless you. And it will bless your family. You say, but I got too much to do. That is a you problem. But he not only blesses it. Look at the second thing. He made it holy. Now, if God says something is blessed, I want to embrace it. I want to be part of it. But if God says something is holy, I want to take that real serious. Remember Moses in front of the burning bush? What did God say to him? Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Can I say something that's often lost? What we are gathered here to do today is special. To open our voices and sing. To hear from God's word, not to hear from Matt. You can ditch everything you hear from Matt, but don't ditch the things you hear from God. You say, but I get so tired. We all do. But this is holy. And I fear for a lot of us, it's lost its sacredness. You say, what about Jesus? You know, Jesus had a few things to say about a day of rest, didn't he? He actually embraced it. There's no evidence in the Bible that Jesus undid a commandment of the Ten Commandments. He said, he associated himself. He said, you know who's in charge of this day? Me. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He corrected the errors of the religious. This is an idea that is prone to abuse, isn't it? It's prone to extra-biblical, man-made regulations do you know that the jews in order to help people and this is still true today of orthodox judaism in order to help people they have 39 categories of work that must be avoided starting with carrying it goes down and they create a list do you know who did not create that list god no created that list people you say, good, I'm free. No, you're not. You're free from a man made list. You're not free from a sacred day, a day of rest, a day of worship, a holy day. Jesus did not at all like say anything negative about the use. He dealt with the abuse of the day. He approved essential work. That Danny read this passage where Jesus was rubbing the grain. And his disciples, why were they, why were they like mini <laughs> milling grain? They were hungry. They needed to eat. Guess what you need to do today? Eat. So you should prepare a meal or eat some, you know, what do we call them? Muscos. That's our word for leftovers. Musk, it must go. Um, anyway, you, do you whatever you want. Do some dishes. Do, like, we, there's essential work that needs to happen, but can I help us all? There's a lot less in our culture that is essential than we say is. Is it essential that healthcare workers help people in the hospital today? Yes, <laughs> 100% essential. Yes, let's not leave all the people on, you know, machines that need medication to fend for themselves. Hey, it's holy day, I'm out of here. There's essential work. My dad's a pharmacist. So we had realities. People get sick and need, uh, you know, a Z-pack or a amoxicillin or something on, like that, there's essential work. When I was working in Steamboat Springs, uh, again, seven or eight years ago, and I was working through some of these things myself, I was uh, helping manage a property, and their pipe, one of the pipes burst on a Sunday. That's a bummer. But boy, am I glad for plumbers and people who come so they don't go, hey, we'll get that flood in your basement tomorrow. Jesus said that, didn't he? He said, which one of you, if your ox is in a ditch, doesn't go take care of it? There's essential work. But can I tell you something? This is my phone. How many of you have a love-hate relationship with your phone? Anybody? Let me tell you one of the problems with a phone. One of the problems with a phone is constant contact. Not the service, but the reality. Right? Any of you remember the days of like plugged in line phones and you had to come home and check your voicemail and, you know, hey, that girl that likes you at school called, you know. (laughs) You're like trying to find a private place that the cord would reach to talk. You know what one of the problems with this phone is? It makes us think everything is urgent. So like somebody sends me a text, you know, hey, the Patriots are losing again. I'm like, I know they've lost this entire year. We get it. Is that urgent? Like, can I ask you this? How much stuff in life is actually urgent? Like actually has to be dealt with right now. Tiny bit. But phones have told us That if we don't respond to your text immediately what we don't really care about you you don't have any idea what's going on in my life but that's how we think about it we think it's all essential we think it's all urgent there is very little that is urgent regardless of what a boss a coach a friend a parent will say to you and if you are in a place that says something is essential that's not essential then you should work that out. Essential work. Jesus endorsed good work. He healed the guy, didn't he? He's like, is it okay for me to do something good for this guy right now? By the way, do you know what's a great thing to do on a day of rest? Go serve somebody. Go visit somebody. Go have a meal with somebody. Do good things. Go on a walk. Go on a hike. Enjoy God's beauty. There's lots of good ways to rest. There's lots of good things to enjoy. We were talking about some of those this morning. And you and I don't even have to agree about what the right ones are. And that's okay. And works of piety, most of you don't know that word. It just means works that are related to us worshiping together, (laughs) works that are holy. In the Old Testament, the priest worked on the Sabbath because people were doing sacrifices and somebody had to do sacrifices. And I'm preaching today. Is it good that I'm working to preach to you? Yes. Is it good that many of you serve in nursery or help with a kid's class and you're engaged and you show up early? That's good work on a day that God has set apart. And, and Jesus was like, do it! But can I say something to you? whole bunch of things. Not on that list. Learn to stop. Come to gather. Do you know why the Jewish people and now the church gathers on Sunday? Jewish people gather on Saturday. Do you know why we do that? Because it's supposed to be the day that we're all free from work. And we can gather together to listen to God and have our hearts reset and get the rest our souls need and get the encouragement and give it. I heard a guy this week who said, How do you think the Bible expects us to fulfill all the one another's we read? And you know what his conclusion was? God gave us a whole day to do it. How do we encourage one another? How do we have hard conversations with one another? How do we walk together? God gave us a day to do it. Some of you dads, I want to talk to our dads as a dad. As a husband, some of you feel like poor spiritual leaders in your home. I won't take a show of hands because we probably all raise our hands. I do. Do you know we have a day of opportunity when we get to be free from work and pour into our families and help them follow Jesus and enjoy good conversation with them about the Lord and everything He's made? I was telling Tim today that um, as we've worked through this as a family, one of the things we want to take some walks together, and Tim goes, Something he picked up from school. He goes, creation enjoyer. (laughs) Yes, amen. Yeah. Worship and rest. Rest does not look the same for everybody. Can we just acknowledge that? But this is more than a power nap. This is a set aside day that's holy and restful. Tim enjoys imaginative play. I will help you. I hate it. I have no imagination. It's not play. There are no rules. There are characters I can't see. It fills him up. Love and lead. (laughs) Rest looks different. That's okay. This whole idea is something you gotta work out and your family has to work out before God. But what I want us to get away from is that it's optional. It's something God intends for your good. I think sometimes we think about... Restrictive element. Somehow God is tying my hands. God is jailing me some way. But you know, I had a thought this week. Is it any accident that as seven day a week or five plus two Americans, we are all so tired? There's a book out there by Kevin DeYoung called Crazy Busy. And in it, he talks about someone who came to the U.S. and asked people how they were and everyone she talked to introduced themselves as busy. So she thought that was like a surname for Americans, was busy. Is it any accident that our relationships with God feel so shallow? That, that the truth isn't being passed on to the next generation in a way that they're receiving and really putting into their hearts? Is it any accident that we live in an, a pandemic of anxiety and yet we go, 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 go and we think we're smarter than God? Let me help us all and start with me. We are not. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the good gift of rest, the good gift of holy gathering, of learning and knowing you, of singing your truth and hearing from your word. Thank you for the gift of fellowship and community. Thank you for people who sacrifice on some Sundays to to care for works of necessity. Thank you for the opportunities to, to do works of mercy, to invest even in our Sunday time together. God, would you help us all, starting with me and my wife and my family, to take a step back, to confess that I am often of the mindset that I am smarter than you. And I'm pursuing my own leisure and my own more work. All kinds of things on a day that you have blessed and modeled and made holy. Help us to return to this foundation reality that so many of us have run from or are ignoring. And God, would you protect us against the kind of legalism and judgmentalism and abuse that tends to run rampant To Guide our hearts into your ways. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. Thank you for Jesus who took on the cross the iniquity of us all. It's in Christ's name we pray.